I have seen that you were playing some Animal Crossing, as are most people. Oh. <laughs> yes. So I was so about I, about Animal Crossing back in high school and college. Mm -hmm. um, at that time, it was, gosh, it was Wild World. And I beat Animal Crossing. I beat Animal Crossing. I mean, I, I had all of the fish and bugs. I had all of the room expansions, all the furniture sets. I had golden everything. All oh my, my neighbors were my friends. Oh yeah, they give you the picture frame. Yeah, I, I just, there was, there, you know, what, uh, he saw that there were no more worlds to conquer and he wept, you know, it was, it was like that. And so, yeah. and, and so, you know, my friends at some point had a sit down intervention with me. They're like, Erica, you're letting this run your life. You know, you set alarms for when you know, things are happening. When you have celebrations for New Year's or your birthday, you're like, oh, I got to check my town. Uh, so I sort of stepped away from a lot of those kinds of games that demand your attention like that. Yeah. Because I'm, yeah. I'm extremely ADHD and I'm extremely, I have an extremely addictive personality. So I, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, okay, no, none of that. And when Stardew came out, I was like, none of that. Uh, <laughs> no MMOs. But, but God, I got back into Animal Crossing now. And gosh, it's so great. And the whole world is with me. So it's very sweet. It's nice. I saw somebody say that, like, this is the complete inverse of the summer of Pokemon Go. Oh, it is. That's true. Really That's a good is. point. It's um, right. I it's Animal Crossing stay at home. It, it's yeah. <laughs> it's cool to hear from someone else that like Wild World was your big one because I so often am like, oh yeah, my my first one was Wild World and everyone's like, oh, I never played that one. And it's kind of like, yeah! it's my favorite in the series, I think. Like I don't like City Folk. I, New Leaf is good. It's, you know. Yeah, yeah. New Leaf was, ugh, it was beautiful it's, too. It's a great but... like iteration on it, but like something about Wild World, like like the addition of making you mayor or putting you in charge of the town, like I don't like as much as you are a new person in this established town um, and like you can just kind of fuck off and you're a new kid and you can do whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. Wow. How, how long has that franchise, I've never played any Animal Crossing. I'm going to change that very soon, but... Uh, we need to, as I mentioned on a previous episode, we're making Audrey earn it. So ah, I haven't started playing good. yet. Yeah, uh, I think know, it's she's... like 20 years old, the first one. It, that's it's... insane. Is oh, my really? God. Yeah, like I think well, Animal I Forest wow. in Game Japan. GameCube. Wasn't, was GameCube was the first time we got it? There was a yes. GameCube Animal Crossing? That's amazing. Oh, yeah, that's, wow. that's yes, the one yes. that like introduced a lot of people to it. Let's see. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. Googling it. So this is a thing that's interesting to me about recording remotely. I said this on the last episode of it, <laughs> this, this being a show about being terminally online, but there is an interesting element of all of us sitting at our computers. Um, and I don't even know if integrating that is an interesting thing, but it, it's kind of fun to me. Oh, okay, sorry, I'm looking up. I don't know. I, I feel like it wouldn't be a podcast if someone wasn't Googling something. Yeah. Oh, that drives me bonkers when I'm listening to a podcast <laughs> and they're like, oh, uh, I don't know. And then they just don't find out. And it's like, fuck, I want to know. It's, it's right there. Wow, like, this you're is holding fascinating. Your phone. Yeah. Animal Crossing 2001 originally released in Japan for the Ni Nintendo 64 in 2001. Oh! Wow. And it was enhanced and released on the GameCube the same year, and then it was localized for North America in 2002, and then Wild World, World was 2005. Oh, God. That's, wow. And I got it right after it came out for the original yeah. Nintendo DS, 
which I still have lying around somewhere. God, I love that original Nintendo DS. Yeah, I I, I loved the DS. It's so I chonky. My friends and I all had them, and we'd bring them to school, and at lunch we'd sit together playing DS games. Oh. Uh, I had the red one that you could get if bundled with Mario Kart, uh-huh. I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I, cause I was like, my favorite, it's like cherry red. And I just, I spent so much time on there. And I remember a lot of college, early college, I, w- I felt very isolated, but I had my DS and I could still f- visit my friends' towns. We could still get together and play Aww. on them. Yeah. And, and I, you know, as was the case with any portable video game item it was a way of making friends because you'd be playing it off in the corner and some other kid would be like oh are you are you playing pokemon i'll play with you uh that is how indoor kids meet yeah so I, in that in that iteration like of the ds what was it was the ds over was it connect over wi-fi then I didn't have one. It was a super convoluted deal to get online, at least as I yeah, recall. Was I was so a child. This is, it was so this is hard. What in the early two thousands, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like two thousand four ish, I want to say. Yeah, but PictoChat. So Wi Fi was, like was not. Wi Fi was around, but it wasn't like omnipresent at that point. Right, so you couldn't rely on having Wi-Fi wherever you went. It was a lot of like access right. codes and kind of having to know semi-technical shit about connecting to the internet. I remember being on Animal Crossing forums when I was a kid, and like you would go and swap items with people by coming to their towns, but it was always like a really involved process to get it to work. Oh yeah, absolutely, and it, w- it was always a gamble if it was going to kick you in the middle of a session or not. Yeah, right. totally. Or I, as a child, would get freaked out if the person was dressed weird. <laughs> And I would be like, no, let's get out of here. <laughs> I remember a guy coming in with like some whack outfit and a baby pacifier. And I was like, you know what? Nope. <laughs> Goodbye. You can't have my cherries. That's actually, that's a good instinct. That yeah. I feel like that's probably served Stranger well danger. Like, Stranger I, I danger. I don't trust like this. Um, but yeah, the, the local Picto chat was so great because I would sit on my friend's trampolines, all of us with DSs, and we would play Animal Crossing and Nintendogs. Wait, um, wait, wait, wait. Hold, hold on. I, I need you to back up for a second. You had multiple friends that had trampolines? I had one friend who had a trampoline, and we would always congregate. And then the multiple friends would sit on the yes. trampoline. I see. Okay. Gotcha. But PictoChat, Brian, uh, was a thing that was basically like a little, you know, message, like local messaging thing on the DS where you could draw little pictures or write notes and send them back and forth Ugh. in like a group chat. Yeah. Because um, uh-huh. there would be like rooms, which were essentially like channels and like they had little symbols that you could put in and because the screen had a stylus, you could just do little drawings and then it would just be right, me drawing right. titties in PictoChat and then spamming it with other stuff. Just <laughs> yeah, so, so no yeah. parents my, would come my in. My friends and see were all that. artists, and so they had the most complex drawings, and I could only sort of like scribble, <laughs> look ridiculous. I, I so wish that was still a thing. And they sort of had the, like the um, whatever the messaging note system was on the 3DS that they took away. Um, probably for good reason to protect the child's. <laughs> Have you have you seen any scaremongering about TikTok? Because that seems right now like the natural one for people to I actually uh, think to backlash against. There is extreme no. scaremongering, but I think that it's not totally baseless, you know? Um it's so, like, like what? 
It's like a lot of young kids on there that are absolutely, I mean, I've read stuff about like Instagram too, where it's a bunch of like 10 and 12 year olds, if not younger, kind of having this presence and it's, uh, I've, oh, yeah. I've, I, I have an 11 year old niece who has an Instagram account. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It's upsetting. And there was somebody, I was reading an article by people who essentially do the catfish thing where, you know, they pose as a 12 year old and just see what happens. And like they put their age quote unquote age in the bio and immediately had like a ton of creepy men messaging them. So, and then there's sort of the phenomenon of TikTok TikTok of like skewing younger and kind of have the having these like infantilized but like still kind of porny stuff. Like I don't know. TikTok skews younger than 10? I mean not it doesn't skew younger than ten. I mean in the sense of just like younger than the other platforms. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it's a like, lot it's like of teenagers, like younger teens. Right? Yeah. Twe- tweens and teens. Yes. It's a very strange place that I am still trying to understand, but I kind of don't want to fully understand. I'm okay with not understanding it. Oh, no. we've gotten to that threshold yes, where I... we, we we don't want to learn new technology. Do you Erica, do you have a TikTok? I don't have one, um, but that's mostly a a factor of I just I have so much community management to do with my Instagram (laughs) and my Twitter. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with with when I had my Twitch channel and I had discord servers. And so I just it was just too much to handle uh, for for content creation, um, especially, you know, working doing more sort of like voiceover stuff and acting stuff now. but like I love the content coming out on TikTok and, and I, you know, know the dances and I it's I don't know, it's exciting to me anytime that there's a new platform for creation, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Uh, especially for younger people and things that are accessible. Um I'm it's horrifying that there are the downsides as always. But yeah. but they're so you know, creative I, and funny in is, a way that's so like so funny and so talented and you know, I back in my day when I was younger, there really weren't any accessible platforms to create your own media. You know, first of yeah, all, totally. cameras were expensive, and also traditional uh, entertainment. You know, like Hollywood had such a barrier. There's such a barrier to entry, and now you have your phone, and you can just make content and make good stuff and put it up yeah and it's like mini mini free after effects and premiere in a super accessible way obviously very reductive of me to say that but like it it is totally you know you can speed this up or slow it down or superimpose Mm -hmm, images mm -hmm. or text or whatever just from your phone while you're lying in bed like that's so wild yeah it's 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 amazing i mean i remember you know i'm older than than both of you (laughs) Uh, and I remember, you know, for me, it was like, it was a VHS camera and (laughs) no editing software. So it's literally just like stopping record and then starting it up again when I was 13, you know, that's, that's all I had available to me. The first movie, as we will learn in upcoming deep cuts episode that I'm almost done with, uh, the first movie that was totally edited and produced on consumer grade software was a movie called the last broadcast, which came out in 1998 found footage movie. That predated Blair Witch, but was not ripping off Blair Witch and vice versa because they were in development in different directions and at different times. But, you know, it's about a group of kids who go into the woods to find the Jersey Devil. Spoiler alert, that movie fucking sucks. But it is an interesting tidbit that that's the one that was like the first on consumer grade like editing software. Really? Yeah. Amazing. Wild. 
Um, uh, we should probably introduce ourselves and our guests. I think oh, I feel like that's the official recording. That's like the official <laughs> intro of the podcast of us eventually being like, oh, I guess we should probably introduce ourselves or whatever. I yes. love the idea, like a cold open for every uh, episode is some ram- long rambling discussion and then, oh, we should introduce ourselves. The the calling it a cold yes. open makes it feel a lot more official. So we are now going to <laughs> internally refer to that as the cold open. Yeah, um, It seems to also be a rule that we, despite having not introduced the guest, we have to refer to the guest by name as many times as possible yeah. in the cold yes. open. But mm-hmm. I, Brian, we forgot to do this last episode, but Erica should introduce herself. Uh, so we're yes. not uh, imposing our own introduction because I think that's fun. But, but yeah. Oh, I was hoping that you could introduce me, you know, sort of hype man style, like, oh, you know, I'll happily Jeffrey in, in, in a, a night's tale. <laughs> I'll happily hype man you as a person, but maybe not in terms of how you would describe yourself. I mean, you're no. truly the, the biggest like bundle of sunshine I've ever met and so absurdly talented and like physically oh. strong. <laughs> it's very intimidating. <laughs> Thank you, Leighton. Oh boy. That was a real monkey's paw wish I got. Yeah, I got him. There. Got him. <laughs> Um, right. So hi, okay. I'm I'm Leighton from Leighton Night, Brian, and I'm Brian from Leighton Night. And our guest guest, would you care to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Erica Ishii. Uh, do I say what people might sure. know me from? Sure. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, I I am an actor. I you might know my voice from uh, Dream Daddy, a dad Ooh. dating simulator in which I am Amanda. I'm Anna Bray in Destiny 2. I've been in Sailor Moon and Gundam Narrative and uh, Fire Emblem Heroes. and Or you might know me from my internet work. I was with Geek and Sundry. I've been on Nerdist and Critical Role. I am in L.A. by Night, the uh, Vampire the Masquerade podcast uh, show. And, uh, yeah, I, I just am very terminal... What, what do you say? Terminally online? Yes. Is that what you call it? Yep. Yes. I'm terminally online. And I'm so glad to chat with friends. Yes. I, I am so glad to have you here today. Yeah. And also, so uh, some of you listening might know, Erica was supposed to be on the live show that we were going to have on March 23rd, which got canceled for all the obvious reasons. Uh, and so unfortunately, we didn't get to talk to her that night, but now we're lucky to be able to talk to her now. Yeah, and yeah, I, I think in a, to me. a a more low pressure kind of thing because the the live shows are very. <laughs> if we're just like bullshitting for two hours on this podcast, it's great. But you know, we have like a hard cap there, and then it's all of us like mildly drinking and then yelling at each other. It's it's <laughs> the live shows are like what? such a different this, vibe. Uh, this live show business sounds amazing. It's very I, fun, I... but different dynamic. Like Brian, I I feel like it's very marked by us acting like we hate each other. <laughs> To some extent, what? Well, it's it's there. There's a bit of antagonism there that is definitely not that present in the podcast version of this. Um, all because, like, when you you know when you are watching two people interact, the physical cues that you're picking up are you know are really change the dynamic. Whereas if people are sure, sort so of, you know it's a joke. Yeah. Whereas if we you know if we were ruder to each other on the podcast, people would be like, oh, why are they even working together? <laughs> 
you know. Well, yeah, there's also when we were first starting this, I think I had several people, several friends be like, oh, this is going to be like the most chaotic content because you and Brian are both such antagonists. Yeah. <laughs> and when we were talking about having Matt Watson on, which I still would like to do and I need to hit that boy. Oh, yeah, up, for sure. Um, <laughs> Vernon especially was like, Jesus Christ, that's the most like evil energy of all three of you. And I was like, I, <laughs> I resent that remark. It's but it was it was evil energy kind of true for yes. for the live shows but I feel like it's not it, it's not really here in the in the podcast it's, it's very much, chaotic good in a nice way yes. and I feel like that's yes. what oh, that's nice. resonates with people whatever we're no, getting into meta I, I meta think... late night chat <laughs> no, no no it's true I uh, I usually categorize myself as chaotic neutral most of my friends say I'm chaotic good but I I. I I have a whole philosophy argument about that, but anyway, yeah, I I I can I can dig that chaotic energy. Yeah, just pure chaos. Chaos yeah. reigns. Um, so there's a thing that we've neglected to talk about for several episodes because we received an email that made me lose my mind a little bit. So Erica, yeah, and oh. you you texted me in all caps for about twenty minutes. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> what is what is it? For anybody who missed this episode and for Erica, one of the first episodes we asked for, was it advice on family? So we had people yes. email us asking for advice. And one of the people was this woman who messaged us uh, saying that her father had gotten into making ambient noise tracks that were like difficult. Dark, sorry, dark ambient. Dark ambient that were very long and dark that that was ambient. fine. But then he started doing live performances that were accompanied by a nude dancer. And the the emailer was just trying to like reconcile it of like, do I just have to accept my dad's weird hobby? But this, yes! this person yes. also yes. sent us I'm sorry, that was that no, was my, it's okay. That was my first first worst instinct. That but, was ours but, too. Go ahead. Please continue. So at the yeah, end of totally. the email, this person included uh, a link to listen to their father's music, and we did, and it's actually dope as fuck. <laughs> it was awesome. It's like these hour-long tracks. The guy's name is TV Glitter on SoundCloud, and it's like wow. these hour-long ambient tracks that everyone in the room agreed were fucking awesome. And, you know, it's definitely a mood and a vibe, and I really, I thought they were great. And, uh, you know, basically our advice was like, this rules, please support your father. You know, if you're really uncomfortable, yeah. you don't have to go to these shows, but this is a cool oh, thing. Oh, no, that he's by doing. no means. Right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So oh, that's really, that's really nice. We yeah. received uh, at the beginning of March this email that I am now going to read. Subject line, my daughter has no appreciation. <gasps> Dear, <laughs> which great start. No, what? Dear Brian and Layton, I've been crafting my own drone music for quite a few years now. My family has put up with my strange musical tastes and I've mostly kept it to myself. When I decided to expand the art to include an appropriate visual accompaniment, the natural conclusion was buto. Pairing the slow but progressive tones of dark ambient music with the abstract minimal dance genre made perfect sense. I reached out to a local Buto artist and we collaborated on her milestone performance, The Rag Picker, linked here. I invited my family to the debut and it was well received. Sadly, my daughter can't see past the brief, tasteful nudity and appreciate the deeper narrative of the presentation. I'm wondering if it's just a matter of taste or if she's casually dismissing the conceptual value of the performance because breasts are shown. Certainly art is a subjective experience, but it's like a meal. Flavor only comes through chewing. 
How can I encourage her to look with her mind? I don't want her to fall into the popular mainstream of thoughtless junk. Signed, TV Glitter. Is it is it legit, though? I mean, like, yes. is it actually... Yes, it is. Like, it's from him. Yes, it absolutely yes. is. And it's I not was, a copycat. I was unsure. No, no, no. So, I don't think so. Now, for the, the purposes of this episode, I'm going to drop this link into the chat, which I, we will also post on our social so you can check it out. So uh-huh, he linked uh-huh. to the performance that the daughter emailed about. Let's see. Yeah. So if you would do me a favor and scrub through this video a little bit. Okay. It's long. Well, but I mean, like, it could, what, if, what if this is somebody else that knew about all of this? Because you talked about it in your podcast before, and so people knew this. I, I, I think, so you know, the podcast still... has a relatively small audience. I, this, this read, you know, I agree. I, I'm normally very skeptical of these things. My gut on this is that it's legit. Well, and it's also okay, like because even if it's not like I'm willing to believe that if it makes the world a better place. Yes, I mean there's yeah. there's for one thing, it is absolutely his YouTube channel. This is the performance right. in question. But the thing that because I initially was like, oh, there's no way this is real. But the you know Gmail account profile names match in terms of last names and all that shit. So I won't go into yep. it. But um, and, and I have to say, right. the voice of the email is very dadly. Like, oh, this is, and it I might just be a very good writer, <laughs> very but this, email. This, this email is, this is r- to beautiful. me, absolutely reads like this person's Well, my, f- my favorite bit, and I just keep thinking about this quote, is, is certainly art is a subjective experience, but it's like a meal. Flavor yeah. only comes through chewing. I love that I know. so much. That, I was, I was, that really is very striking. Yeah. So, to, so as oh. a description to we people can, who can't watch the video right now. Um, I, I'm going to say it's very different from what I was imagining based on the initial email and based on the music. And I will straight up say this yes, shit is so fucking dope. I cannot believe it. It, it is so cool. It, it's, I, it, I have. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen sort of like performances like that, you know, just like I'm a theater person and like experimental art and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I mean, this is not this is. I don't want to say it's like not avant-garde and stuff, but it's like, it's it's not that weird. It is, yeah. yeah it's not if that you're weird. familiar with it really performance is not art, that weird. It's not, yeah, Marina Abramovic or anything like that. No, no one, yeah. no one's walking out covered in kitten blood or something. You know, like, yeah. It's, yeah. It's pretty. It's, I mean, I don't want. I'm not in any sense. I'm not diminishing this at all. This is not the far limit of the avant-garde. It's no interior semiotics. That's what I'll say. Um, (laughs) Interior semiotics is not safe for work, but you can look it up. Um, Yeah. Yeah. uh, Are you you all familiar uh, with that video? No, I'm not. Um, It's it's a lady putting uh, uh, SpaghettiOs in her vagina. Um, as yeah, a performance art piece, I have not seen it. I remember reading about it in like a class, <laughs> but I, yeah, this is no, this is great. Like you're yeah. right, this slaps. So yeah. to to describe the video, it starts. It's it's a dark stage and it's covered in these like beautiful tattered rags, um, and, and the, the lighting is it's like cool mm-hmm. lighting. Yeah, and and this woman is just so uh, the way that she moves is so entrancing, and it's her like kind of uh, getting overwhelmed by these rags. And I'll I'll admit I haven't watched the full thing; I've just scrubbed through, so maybe I'm misinterpreting. Mm-hmm. In TV glitter, I apologize if I'm misinterpreting your artistic vision here. But the, it is so fascinating, and at a certain point, the lighting changes, and then it becomes this like mechanic. Like all the rags are gone, 
And it becomes this like mechanical fetishization kind of thing where she's like grappling with metal. And there's a point in it that has such a cool transition um, that like genuinely spooked me a little bit in a way that's super fun. Um, but it's it's just a very evocative, emotional performance. And I think it is so cool. And if y'all will post the link, please check it out and give TV Glitter some support. Um, yeah. yeah, we we could. Yeah, we'll post the link. Um, yeah, I have to say, you know, I, I'm reluctant to ever like take firm sides on matters of taste. Uh, mm-hmm. The father is 100 percent correct here. The daughter is 100 percent wrong. <laughs> she should be supporting this. <laughs> Without well, reservation. Yes, I I agree. And, you know, as an artist, it's always hard when your family or people that are important to you don't support your work. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you know, I can understand not understanding it. I think we're all in a field in which sometimes it's difficult for people close to us to, or, you know, older people a lot of times to understand. Yep. I'm very fortunate in that my mom, like, she has subscribed to my Twitch accounts and (laughs) she, you know, she tells her friends, you know, what I do. And they're all just like, what is voice over? And she's like, Fortnite. And they're like, Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but you know, it, it is, it is really difficult because when you create art, you are sharing a piece of your heart Mm -hmm. and to have that be rejected by people who are very important to you that's especially difficult. your daughter like you're it, well, especially yeah. because this seems like such an emotionally loaded performance that's yeah. very very vulnerable both on the part it's, of tv i was literally about to dancer. use the word vulnerable at the, at the same time i have so much empathy for the daughter and i can totally yes. understand how you could see this coming from your father and be like this is fucking weird like there's totally like that feeling and i completely understand it there's and especially you know I guess there's a nudity component and while you know that might not bother any of us you know I, I can understand why somebody would be you know spooked by it in relation to a family member I personally would not feel that way but I can understand where it's coming from but I really do hope that at least the daughter can have a discussion with her father and explain why she is uncomfortable with it and that, you know, she still loves it. Because in her letter, the fact that she wrote to you guys shows how much she cares about him. And yeah. yeah. How, you know, how, how she is supportive of his endeavors. And, and that's nice. And, yeah. and I think that there's positive discourse to ha- be had there. The other thing I keep thinking about this guy, at least from the tone or the, the, the original email, it, it didn't sound like this guy was a lifelong musician. And I just think about the process of someone who was not a creative or not a musician, you know, in middle age being like, I am for the first time going to create this new thing and then put it out there in the world. That must be extraordinarily challenging, right? Oh, yeah, like, to it's do this, true. And maybe that's not this guy's situation. Obviously, we lack the, the full context. Maybe he's been doing stuff his whole life. But the way she made it sound is like... But he did like, said, say this was his first time sort of expressing it and, yeah. and sharing it with people. And can you imagine having that in you for, I don't know how old the guy is, let's say 50 years, probably more in this case. Like, it's in, you know, you have this in you for 50 years and then... Like at some point you're like, all right, now's the time. I'm going to put it out there. What a cool fucking thing to do. Yeah, like, especially and, with something that is... a hard thing to do. 
that is so raw like this. I mean, I think a lot of people's first foray, it's so scary, even when you're doing something quote, like heavy, quote unquote, normal. It's scary enough to do that. Mm -hmm. But for something that is like, again, quote unquote, out there, uh, that's a very difficult thing to do. Um, and I also think I will say I, I'm totally on. I, I mean, I'm, I'm most I'm on both of their sides here, but I definitely lean on the dad side. The email that he sent to us is pretty passive aggressive, and I think it doesn't oh, yeah. need to be. And I totally understand that response. That's true. <laughs> and, yeah, especially that last line bothers me a little bit. Of like, I don't want her to fall into the the uh, popular mainstream of thoughtless junk, <laughs> where it's like, ah, yeah. okay, bud, okay, uh, that sounds like a certain. Um, kind of casting aspersions on what your daughter is into. And I think you both kind of need to reconcile uh, each other's yes, interests that's and a, pursuits. That's a good point. It, it is true. I mean, he doesn't quite call himself a genius, but he's within spitting distance of, of that. Uh, <laughs> being that like, this line. is high art. Um, yeah. Again, I understand both sides here, and I think it's really interesting. But yeah, that, that has been a fascinating saga in terms of us uh, kind of getting another follow-up on that. Yeah. I really would love some closure on this. I hope they discuss things. Yeah, and it sounds like you 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 both gave some real great advice about that. And oh man, yeah, that that's really beautiful. I, I'm actually, if if anything comes out of this podcast, I'm hope that people you know check it out. Yeah, yeah. I, and I also had not heard of um, Buto dancing before. I hope I'm saying that right. But th I was looking into it the other day no, after me getting this email, yeah. and it, it's such a fascinating. I, I love watching choreographed dance, especially stuff that is so. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe like the different level of physicality and uh, you know kind of the strange movements of it like i think that's really beautiful and kind of ties into the thing that i will share for the later segment what's poppin um but we will get to that later in the episode so Ooh. speaking of later in the episode i think we should move on to answering some of these uh questions that we got yes. i had a question for erica based on ah! um stalking your social media you haven't is the axolotl yours Yes. Oh, my God. Yes, yes. That's Mercutio, my baby. You, you own an axolotl? That's amazing. I do. I do. Um, I I hatched Mercutio from an egg. <gasps> what? He was a rescue. Yes. Oh my God. So rescue axolotl. Yeah, so there was somebody that I was working for, and they had, this is a whole other story that, like, oh, man. Anyway, I was working for this entrepreneur, and one of her side businesses was, she was breeding axolotls and selling them, but she'd kind of abandoned that, and so she just had these as pets. But the pairs that she had in tanks would occasionally lay a bunch of eggs, and then they'd eat them out of boredom and spite oh, no. we fed them every day and there was no reason they needed to do that so one day I was like well I'm gonna just take one of these and see if it hatches and it did and and Amazing. I had to hand feed it mosquito it was the summer so there were a bunch of mosquito larvae around or the spring and so there was a bunch of mosquito larvae and so I, I was hand feeding it mosquito larvae until it was big enough for the pellets and I transferred to the big, bigger tank and Mercutio has been with me through all of it. You know, I, I got Mercutio when I was a, sort of like a struggling actor starting out like nine years ago now. And, you know, he's been with me through multiple breakups and all of my moves. And, Wait, you know, how, how old just, is Mercutio? Uh, nine now. Whoa! Since, uh, yeah, nine. Nine years old. That's an old boy oh my That's god <laughs> I, I love him so much he he is you know i just 
in all, it, when I think about it, in all of my moves, like the first thing was, was Mercutio would move with me and I'd like like bring him in a little Tupperware with oh. me. Yeah. yeah what, I, what's Axolotl care so like? Much. I know nothing about it. I, I've always loved they're them. They're the sweetest little creatures. So They are so low key. You know, I just feed him a couple pellets every day and make sure that his water is clear but they're so low-key and low-maintenance. Uh, you know, I, I I think I'm doing it right. I've, like, looked on forums and everything, mm-hmm. but nobody I know has one, so I can't really be sure. But he seems happy. He seems happy and fat, and, uh, you know, it, it's just they're they're really low-key creatures. That's oh. so I, And he's been, like, I've been, you know, drawn on his tank, you know, drawn, giving him <laughs> little, little angry eyebrows. Yeah, that, or, that one really uh, blew up. <laughs> Hold on, I have to look at it. This is on your your Insta, Erica. Yeah, I think yeah. There's there's one of my there's two on my Insta. There's one where I give him angry eyebrows, and then there's one where it's like the never ending story theme song is playing in the background. Oh yeah, he's kind of got a Falcor thing. On yeah, he draw yeah. the little kid on his back. Um, I realize now for that one, I should have put a little bubble that said "woo" or "yeah" <laughs> or "yeah," you know. Uh. A, a sweet but look at him. Love, oh, so precious. Yeah. He is. He is a very cute boy. Mercutio is so uh, great. Um, yeah, we should get into emails, which might take us a minute to uh, pull it up and find one that we want to talk about. So we put out a oh yes for the past few episodes, we've been doing like themed advice where we'll ask like give us situations that you need advice on with your family or your friends or creative process. Oh. And this week was kind of just like a general questions advice thing because I I think we, we might be running out of advice topics a little bit. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Really? We'll, 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 I, I feel like you got there's plenty to talk about. Oh yes, there I, are. I, agree. I think we have to. Uh, maybe be more specific with it. We've been, we've been casting a pretty broad net yeah. for a lot of these advice topics, so we might try to get a little more specific in the future. I should say, anyone listening, if you have advice for an advice topic, we would love your thoughts. So uh, let us know, night at gmail.com, where we love emails about uh, what you think we should be talking about. So hit us up. Oh, uh, do, do you want my, my opinions yes. on this too? Please. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. the whole thing. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, because I, I think it's very... The thing about the advice stuff that appealed to me is that it's getting each guest's perspective on different things because I think that's really fascinating. Mm. And we've totally gotten some... You know, we did two creative process episodes with the TWRP boys. So that was coming from like a synth oh. band perspective. And we had Anthony Carboni Great. on who, you know, we both know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and his advice was so killer. Like he he came prepared, knocked it out of the park. Just Great. Um, so I, I found an email. He's a juggernaut. Is that Anthony? Ugh, love him yeah. to death. The Great. Best. Um, also got me hooked on Jenny's ice cream recently. Ooh, oh, baby. good stuff. Oh, yes. Very good Jenny's stuff. Jenny's is delivering to my area. So, ugh. Oh, the, the salt, the salt and straw delivery is the one that's dangerous for me. Mm-hmm. The new thing is finding which amazing, uh, food suppliers are delivering to your area. Like, yes. I oh, feel like, yes. like it, it's always, oh, this place is delivering to these guys, but not these. It's, it, it's become, I don't know how you find like generic, generically what's delivering to where you are, but Jenny's is a good tip. Do you not use Postmates? I know. I don't like to yeah, use Postmates. Yeah, Postmates, or then also you can go directly to their websites. And a lot of times That's, they'll say, 
you know, and just call them if, you know, you like a local place, just call them up. Yeah, because um, they definitely yeah. need your support right now. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. If, in, if you can afford to, then definitely it's good. And um, studies so far have, are saying that extremely low risk of, of uh, you know, transfer right. of getting sick. Yeah, we actually, so. I think tonight for the first time, we're going to order delivery. Like nice. we haven't, Ooh, we've just nice. been cooking for ourselves the whole time. But I think I've read enough ah. now that it seems low risk. So we're going to order a fucking pizza. I, I got an ad last night on Twitter for Papa John's that was this infra infographic that was like, we're doing no contact delivery. And it was like this step-by-step -step diagram of how it works for them not touching stuff. And it, it, it was posted on April 1st. And it totally just seemed like environmental storytelling in a fallout game. Like it was really <laughs> wild and it's great that they're doing that. But it took me a second to realize that it was like serious, which I think is great. Yeah. Oh but, my God. but just yeah. very, very strange moment. Like if I could send that back in time, it would make no sense to anybody like, oh, stupid April Fool's yeah. thing. But oh, also yeah. from an extremely uncool company. Yeah. Fuck Papa John. Oh, 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 uh, yeah. he bad man. I forget. He also didn't even eat the 40 pizzas. He just yeah, wasted I, I, all I the couldn't pizzas. believe that. He came out like the next month and he was like, actually, I didn't really eat them. Fuck that guy. Come on. <laughs> A month for many, many reasons. Um, yes, for many, 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 many reasons. Yes. Oh. Um, so I, when we get these emails, I kind of skip over reading, um, any sort of like nice stuff about the podcast, but just know that I see it. I just don't want to, um, Aww. suck our own dicks too much on this, uh, <laughs> to be blue about it, but I, I read it and I appreciate it and it's very sweet. It's just for the sake of time and kind of getting to the meat of the question. So this one is from Boston, pronouns he, him. This is kind of a big question. So I understand if you might not be able to give adequate advice on it. What do you do when you get the idea in your head that all of your friends either hate you or are annoyed with you? Despite the fact that I know it may not be true, I can't stop myself from worrying about it or worrying that it may happen. Again, it's kind of a big question, so I understand if it's outside the kind of advice you can give. And that's the email. Ooh, 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 I'm sorry. Go, go Did off. Is there more? <laughs> yeah. Is there more to that one? No, that's it. Um, so this happens frequently to me, constantly. Yes. I think it's a an extremely common state of affairs for most people oh, is yeah, deep anxiety sure. that you are unloved. Um, and there's a couple of things. Yes, you are correct in that almost all of the time it is not the case. But because your friends do care about you, you can talk to them about it. And my friends and I have this thing where you can ask, you can just ask, hey, can you validate me right now? And somebody, because they love you, will say, I love you and I care about you and it's okay. That kind of spiral you're in right now is not real. Yeah, that, that's really good. I love So that's a thing, Erica, you and your friends do. You just say, hey, I could use some validation right now and then you do it. Yeah. That's, like a, that's like, amazing. I love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm extreme. Well, I, I have to say I'm extremely, extremely, extremely privileged to have the friends that I do and, and have them. They are so emotionally open with each other. And I, I just I love them so much. We trust each other and we're sort of always there for each other on every level. Um, and I, I know that's not available to everybody, but if they are the kind of friends that are worth having around, you can at least discuss it with them and then you know sort of acknowledge that and you know it, it's 
it's hard. It really is hard, you know, yeah. self-confidence issues. And that, that might be something you can work on on your own as well. That is, I mean, it's definitely something you should work on on your own as well, whether through professional therapy or sort of being, or, or through introspection or meditation. Um, you know, therapy is great. I'm in therapy. I don't know about you guys, yep, but therapy absolutely. is so good. And, you know, I, it's it's definitely worthwhile to work on yourself in that regard, but also it's okay to lean on other people sometimes. Yeah, and if you... That's something I've had to learn. If you have that friend group, you can set the standard of emotional vulnerability because I think it's a thing that everybody craves and everybody needs, and I find it especially lacking in male friend groups, and I don't mean mm-hmm. to make a generalization, oh, yeah. but it, it's a thing that I see no, so much where a lot of men start making female friends and then are like, wait, you guys just talk about emotions all the time? What? And are, are like surprised that you can have that kind of vulnerability. And I think it's just a thing that you yourself need to set the standard for of by you embracing yeah. being vulnerable, people will begin to feel safe with that. Um, but th- this topic is a thing that I struggle with constantly. And a thing mm-hmm. that I kind of had to come to terms with with myself, and I certainly don't want to project onto you, Boston, um, is it is so much easier psychologically to project your own insecurity on other people than accept that it's the call coming from inside the house. Um, that, and I will just speak to my experience here, very like low self-esteem, strong self-loathing. It's easier to put that onto other people and assume that they hate me as much as I hate me than it is to accept that that's my own internalized like trauma responses or you know just sort of depression being like I need to pin my feelings of depression on something so obviously it must be my fault um and it's just like yeah it's what you said Eric of becoming introspective and kind of accepting that about yourself and finding the root of that feeling because there's always a root of that feeling um Mm -hmm. and you know a, a thing really good advice I got recently is um don't spend too much time looking at the subtext of a situation like it's good to have empathy for it but if you're ruminating endlessly about a situation and trying to imagine what another person is thinking you are going to make it worse because you will never know what another person's thinking unless they tell you which is why talking about it is so important yeah uh the the only people who don't worry that other people might secretly hate them are called assholes uh every (laughs) single person in the world worries about this sometime unless they're a monster a, a uh, thing that so I have repeatedly a, gotten from therapists yeah. is bad people don't spend this much time worrying about if they're bad people. Yeah, of yeah. course not. Like this is yeah. e- everyone has this issue, and I, I, I'll, I'll add on to this a little bit. Uh, I, I think there's a there's a very related thing, which is uh, not only do people not like me, they don't like my art, right? They don't like mm-hmm. my music oh, or my yeah. writing or whatever I'm making. And I think that's something you can also have. You can have exactly the same conversation mm-hmm. uh, uh, about. And, you know, it, it's all about self-worth in the end. And that's something you can, as you both said, only really fix through therapy. Yeah, exactly. And you can totally do the thing of checking in with your friends for the validation. But, like, ultimately, that is a thing that comes from you and understanding that, like, yes. much in the same way another person can't give you closure and you have to accept that that's a, a closure is a thing that you create for yourself. You have to cultivate that relationship with yourself of 
it sounds so hacky and I feel like some of the best advice I've ever gotten is the kind of stuff that sounds so trite that rationally you can accept but emotionally it's very difficult to accept of just like you have to be your own best friend and the only person who will always 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 be there for you is you and it's like a ground floor thing where if your self-talk is really negative all the time and you're really hard on yourself you're just like actively creating a bully that lives in your head. And of course, you're going to have a difficult time with other people because you're just assuming that they are as mean to you as you are to you. Yep. So, yeah, that's a that's a very totally. difficult situation, Boston. And I hope that that helps at least a little bit. Also, Boston is a very cool name. Definitely. <laughs> hey, do you like horror movies? Are you stuck at home right now just waiting to get funny games or perhaps... The strangers? Duh. Well, have we got the thing for you. In honor of our upcoming horror history series, Deep Cuts, hosted by yours truly, we've partnered with Shudder to bring y'all a special offer. Late night listeners, that means you, can get an extended 14-day free trial for Shudder and access to their full library of amazing horror movies. All you have to do is go to shudder.com slash signup that's S-H-U-D-D-E-R, and enter promo code DEEPCUTS. For people who don't listen to Late Night and are thus not cool, they only get seven days. Late Night listeners get 14. That's two weeks of horror content. And if that's not a peach, I don't know what is. So now that you have no excuse, I am simply demanding that you watch some great horror movies, such as Audition, Ginger Snaps, In the Mouth of Madness, Tetsuo the Iron Man, The Taking of Deborah Logan, The Love Witch, Knife and Heart, Revenge, literally all of the Friday the 13th movies, Dogtooth, Neroi the Curse, The Exorcist 3, A Tale of Two Sisters, and so many more that I couldn't possibly list them all, but they're very good. So scoot on over there with promo code DEEPCUTS, and let's get spooky. Or else. All right, uh, next question. Uh, so this is from Levi. I don't know pronouns on this one. Once, a drummer in a band I was hanging with asked me the question, what's your thing, as a way of getting to know me? It's probably the best question I've ever been asked, as it made me consider who I actually am and what I'm doing. Leighton, Brian, and mystery guest, what's your thing? Oh! I love how <laughs> open-ended that question is. Oh! I, I adore that. I adore that. And also, uh, pro tip, yeah, that is the best kind of question to ask to get to know somebody like what makes you happy I feel like here in LA a frequent party question is what do you do uh, <laughs> and that is such a terrifying que terrible question to ask especially yes. for a bunch of creatives or aspiring creatives or people doing and it really internet says nothing stuff about this. that is weird yeah the moment you say like oh, I've, you know, I make video games. They're like, oh, what kind of video games? And it's like, well, I work with a YouTube channel that's Let's Plays. And they're like, what's a Let's Play? What's a YouTube channel? Yeah. Like, uh, I'm a, I, actually, I, you know, I'm a freelancer. Don't, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it anymore. I was, you know, I was at, like, I was meeting a bunch of relatives or like some family reunion for like a ex-significant other. And, you know, I, I had to answer the questions. Like so many, I eventually just told people I made Fortnite. <laughs> I told them like I work on Fortnite and they're like oh cool and, like I just like, I just I panicked I panicked I, I heard a great variant of this on uh, one of my favorite podcasts just this morning literally just this morning Judge John Hodgman uh, which is as a greeting instead of saying you know hi Erica how are you you say 
Yeah, this is for so, this is not someone you you you're meeting for the first time. This is for a friend. You'd say, "Hi, Erica. What'd you do today?" Oh, and it's so like, nice. isn't that great? Because it just it starts a conversation right away, and there's yeah. no yeah. like you know you don't have to. You can just start talking about what you did that day, and it immediately gets into something specific. And that that you can open up instead of like the what whenever anyone says how are you how, how like it's like well what are you gonna say like there's always the general pat answer or you start to get real and you know it it, it that's a minefield of a question for a variety of reasons oh. uh, but if you just say hey hey Layden what'd you do today as a start of a conversation I absolutely love it I I'd never heard that before Hodgman was saying it is something an old writing teacher of his uh, used to say. And I just, I, I thought that was really something special. Yeah. I, anyway. I, any sort of open-ended thing, beca- because I, th- I think what's especially interesting about the question, what's your thing, is you can interpret that in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And, and like even the way that they choose to interpret it tells you so much about the person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll start by yeah, answering Yeah, go for this. it. Oh, yes. Uh, my thing is collaboration. I love uh, finding exciting, interesting, fun people to work with and then just starting something and going and like not overthinking it too much, but just like diving into a direction that seems fun and promising and just kind of finding a path. So if I had to pick one, I mean, this was true for me as a scientist. It's true for me as a musician, as you know, whatever. Uh, I just I love being in a group of talented, smart people and finding new stuff. Yeah, that's you stole mine, but (laughs) 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 Um, yeah, I would I would say very similarly, it's just making cool stuff and helping other people make cool stuff. Um, It's I think, I don't know, a very compulsive creativity kind of thing for me where throughout me trying to figure out what I want to do with my life and my career, whether it's you know, I wanted to do comics and I wanted to do game development and I would love to eventually do like writing for TV or whatever else. I don't really Ooh. care it's just as long as I'm making something and telling stories and attempting to connect with people through those stories. Like, I think that's the thing that I care about most in this world. And part of it is like driven by empathy and compassion and attempting to understand other people and their experiences. Because I, I truly yeah. think that, especially in an era with the internet where it's so easy to anonymize people or put them in a box or pedestalize them or dehumanize them, it's more important than ever to just like have compassion for other people and attempt to understand their perspective. Um, so yeah, that's totally. my thing. Yes, absolutely. I love that. My thing I go in so many different directions, but I, I have to say it's probably passion. Mm-hmm. Mm. Just everything that yeah. I do and that I love and I love to see it in others. I, you know, it just have to do everything. Life is so short and we have to do what we love if we can, anytime we can. Yeah. And I, I think, and, yeah. sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, um, I, uh, and, and yeah, a lot of that has manifested, no matter what I do, into storytelling. I have a print of uh, my favorite, uh, like right next to my, my bed is, is a print by Abigail Larson, an artist I love, of Scheherazade, mm-hmm. who is one of my favorite uh, fictional characters ever. Scheherazade is uh, the, the storyteller from A Thousand and One yep. Arabian Nights. And... 
I sort of idolize her and try to live that life of telling stories to change the world for the better. Yeah, th this art is really, really cool. I'd never uh, seen this person's art art before. Ooh, you would really love Abigail Larson. Yeah, stuff. deeply my shit. <laughs> she like lit literally saved lives by telling stories. Right, that was the whole mm -hmm. point of the. Uh, of you know, for thing, those that right? don't know yeah. the story, is that uh, long ago in a kingdom there was a sultan whose wife cheated on him, and so he had her executed, and then decreed that every night he would marry a new woman, and in the morning he would execute her as a revenge on all womankind. And this went, went on for a while. Until Scheherazade, who was the vizier's daughter, volunteered herself. Um, she, her father had forbidden her from marrying the sultan before and had tried to keep her hidden, but she volunteered. So they were married, and on their wedding night, she started to tell the sultan a story. And he was so enraptured by it. It was uh, tales of faraway lands, and it was stories nestled within stories within stories. And at the end of the night, as the sun was coming up, she hadn't gotten to the end of it. And she said, well, I guess I'll die now. <laughs> and he said, well, okay, well, I want to hear the end of the story. So we'll hold your execution and mm -hmm. you can tell the rest to me tomorrow night and then you'll die the next morning. Uh, and it happened again. And it happened for a thousand and one nights. And at the end of those a thousand and one nights, she had changed him with her storytelling, with these tales of brave heroes and strong women and uh, he was a changed man and he uh, said he'd change his ways and he'd marry her for real and yeah. the kingdom lived in peace thanks to this storyteller and I don't know I, I love the idea of a, a hero who saves the day through creation yep Totally. Like that. And also how yeah. so much of that, that is, uh, you know, people using story and fiction to change themselves because it creates such an example or like an onus for change of like realizing that you mm -hmm. can hear and be changed by other perspectives or, you know, yeah. it, it is such a window into deeper emotional connection with others and also yourself. God, what a great answer. I really love that question. Yeah. I want to incorporate <laughs> Thank that. You. That's that a great a question. Great question. Oh goodness. Yeah. I uh you know, my my sort of go to question at parties is what what makes you happy? But that is oh, that's a little a good one. Yeah. Yeah. A little I, I like what's what's your thing? Yeah. That sounds nice. Yeah. Okay, subject line, all caps, random fishy smell. Hi, Leighton oh, Bryant. <laughs> yeah, it's very ominous. Hi, Leighton, Brian, and mystery guest. I'm a marine biologist, and my job entails that I work in places that smell like the ocean and fish. As a result, I often smell like fish. The problem is that I can no longer smell fish since I work around fish so much. How can I tell when I smell like fish aside from when people make faces at me? And this is from Dan Heehan. I feel like this is like a metaphysics question. <laughs> I mean, this is like, do, do we live in a simulation level? Uh... <laughs> What if we Question. all smell like fish and we don't know what yeah. fish actually yeah. smells like? Yeah. And Daniel is the only one that does not. Yeah, this like olfactory thing of uh, what a quagmire. This is, I mean, I have no earthly idea how to answer this question. Um, Cause no, because nobody okay, really so everyone, knows what they smell like. Yeah. That's right. And so probably, I mean, everyone you work with will also smell like this, so they won't be able to tell. Um, I feel like you need some kind of little, uh, 
I don't know, like detector or or something. Is there anything that like changes color when exposed to fish smell or something? Yeah, I, I like, bet we could science our way out of this one. I bet that there is a scientist somewhere listening to this that has an actual answer. I'm sure there's some sort of technology. I, I know there's ways of capturing scent and amplifying it and being like, oh, okay, this is this is definitely what this is or like spectro spectro analysis of yeah. sense. But you know, I, in terms of just casual everyday, what do I smell like? I really, I, I wish I knew how to answer that one. I think I have a solution. All right. Uh, bear with me on this. <laughs> get a, get a cat, but don't <laughs> let the cat, don't let the cat live inside. Cause probably your whole apartment or whatever also smells like fish. So, you have a cat. It lives outside. You train it so that it, I don't know, knows when you're coming home every day or something like that. And you use the cat's reaction to you as a diagnostic to whether or not <laughs> you smell like fish. So that way the cat is not stuck inside in your apartment, let's say, which presumably also smells like fish. Um, but it has its own. It, it's coming at you tabula rasa every time. And if it seems particularly excited... You can, you, you might be able to smell like fish. Or here's another way, actually. This might be even better. So carry a, a can of tuna with you at all times. And when you get home, I'm still saying this is the cat. I have the cat in this situation. Make sure to, so you open a can of tuna and you put it down and then you walk, I don't know, 10 feet away and you see if the cat looks like it's having trouble deciding which one to go to. <laughs> I... This this might be some of the worst advice we've ever given on this show. The cat will figure it out. Eventually it'll it'll be like, "Oh, the food comes from this tin thing and not from human." Well, then you get a new cat every week. <laughs> Go, be free. Well, and it, they all end up coming back okay. cuz they're like, "I know it smells like fish here." And then you have a horde of cats meowing angrily outside. Something that helps me when I'm like, do I smell rant? like it, on, as a median is like smelling your dirty clothes, which is maybe weird, but at least you haven't been wearing them. So there's like a little bit more of a distance where it's like, oh yeah, I smell pretty good. Or like, oh, Jesus Christ. You should know what you should do. You should designate, you should have a designated smeller friend. Yes. And when you like, I don't know, on your way home, it's a nice way to see people too. Obviously this is in a different time when you're going to work and then going home. But, uh, you know, you show up at work on your way home, you drive past this person's house or whatever, lean out the window, have them smell your arm and then thumbs up, thumbs down, go on your way. I, I think in general, like you don't even have to do it like that of just anytime you're around friendly folks, just kind of do the like sanity check. Like, Hey, do I smell weird? Like, it's, it's very easy to do. I, I don't know what people's comfort level with doing that is because I feel totally... I, a friend put it to me the other day of, like, Leighton, you very explicitly wear your shame on your sleeve, <laughs> which Whoa, is yeah, so funny yeah, to me. Wow. She listens to this podcast. Hi, Allison. I love you dearly. Um, but the... Just... I This is a thing that I do with um, wonderful Allie, uh, who we also had on the podcast, where it's just like... Yo, is my skirt stuck in my ass? Like, <laughs> or can can you be my, is my tip falling out of my shirt right now? Like, can you just be on, on the watch for this? Um, right, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, you gotta have your, have your bros. There's something about smelling another human, though, that is 
that that trend that like it goes across some boundary that even just looking at someone being like, "Hey, is my skirt stuck in in, in you know stuck in the back of my pants or whatever?" Uh, uh, well, yeah, there's something it's more intimate about smelling enough, someone, usually. right? Yeah, exactly. yeah. But I I think for me at least I. I guess this isn't a humble brag. I guess I smell nice. I have constant anxiety about smelling bad, but like I'll hug people and they'll be like, oh my God, you smell really good. Which <laughs> with most people that I am close to who do that, I'm chill with it because they're very close friends. But if a rando sure. or somebody that I didn't know well did it, I would be like, mm, nope. So it's about finding if the people that are If someone just smelled you? Cozy. Yeah. Yeah, if a random person smells you, that's horrifying. Yeah. Like that's- yeah. Because, like, I've totally done things where I've been, like, in an elevator with a stranger, and it's like, oh, that lady smells good. I'm not going to tell her, though, because that would be fucking weird. (laughs) Yeah. I'm trying to think of a... I I can't think of a scenario in which I would be okay saying that. Yeah. Like, commenting on somebody's scent. Yeah, right. It is a very intimate thing. But I, I think in terms of actual practical advice that isn't just us being like ah i don't know dan uh it's maybe carry around you know you get your little dop kit that you put some like maybe baby wipes in you get some deodorant some like i don't know maybe some lotion that smells good i know mitigating fish smell is one of the hardest smells to get rid of and maybe adding something else on top of it isn't good but even with like a baby wipe or something you're at least like cleaning some of it off i don't know i always advocate carry baby wipes they're kind of dope to have i would also this is something i mean there are a lot of fields that have variants of this question like you work in a cheese shop or something right yeah you or you're a butcher i am very curious what people's strategies are this so this is something i want to hear about uh from listeners is if you worked in a very you know olfactorily intense uh environment <laughs> What did you do to mitigate that? I think that would be a, you know, that that's really interesting to me. A more useful so, thing. And also, I'm curious, like, for my own life, like, yeah, I, much in the same way that, like, everyone's house has a very specific smell. And I'm sure, yep. like, yeah, none of the people yeah. who live there could name what the smell is, much in the same way you probably wouldn't be able to describe what you personally smell like because you're so used to it. Yeah, I, you know what? Actually, the true solution: get a spray bottle, fill it with salt water, get a little bit of fish oil in there. I make everybody smell like it. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> no one's gonna notice if they all smell like it. So there you go, air freshener, baby. Yeah, air air dankener. Like, what a. This might be my favorite question we've ever gotten. I I was so, so delighted to get this, I... especially because of the turn from the subject line, where I was like, "Oh no, what is this gonna be about?" <laughs> Gary asks. What are some of your favorite songs that are over 10 minutes long? I listen to a lot of Tool and Dead Mouse, but the ones that stand out in my playlist are Dope Smoker by Sleep and Beauty in Fallen Leaves by Yob. Y-O-B? I'm not sure. Uh, it's Doom Stoner Metal, so probably not anyone's thing. <laughs> Inherently <laughs> false Doom slash Stoner Metal fucking rules. Any song that's yeah. like, oh, ho, 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 here's the fucking wizard is my favorite. <laughs> I'm quoting a tweet, but yeah. That's so funny. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I like concept albums that are meant to be listened to as a whole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Um, I have a few polls. 
Um, my my all time favorite is uh, "Human Sadness" by Julian Casablancas in the Voids, which is the ultimate song about being depressed and angry at your father. <laughs> um, it's it's just like very noise rocky, but it's one that I just think is so fantastic, and it includes Julian Casablancas screaming "fuck depression," like really can't go wrong with that it's very good and it has like the best solos in it it's just really fantastic also not 10 minutes or more it's like eight minutes but um communist daughter by neutral milk hotel and then mariner's revenge song by the decemberists which brian i know we've discussed Wait, that's not over 10 minutes is it no it's not i'm, I'm no. saying the two they're i think they're both eight minutes but you know you can't pass up really? i gotta roll away from the mic to do this we are two mariners ship soul survivors oh. So good. I love it. <laughs> it's a song about being trapped in the belly of a whale with yeah. a man that you're vowed to get revenge on. I mean, it's so good. It's such a good storytelling song. I have that's on my list of I, I have a list of uh, storytelling songs, Ooh. songs that, that oh, have a great. story to them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple of uh, Decemberists on there, I think. Oh, of course. I mean, all their songs are about hanging out on the docks and getting revenge on a mariner, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> or getting a revenge on your parent who killed you, you know, all that stuff. There's a whole, al- right. there's a whole album about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hazards of revenge, baby. Uh, for me, I mean, I just, we just wrote a song that was 12 minutes long for NSP that I'm particularly proud of. That It's out. It's the Mystic Crystal. Uh, and that's, you know, like that's the first thing that occurred to me. Although probably the person was not asking about music we wrote, um, the let's see the ones that I mean, the the cheap answer for me is a bunch of classical music stuff that I love. Mm. Uh, oh the, yeah, I was gonna. That was what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. Because Erica, you are a you are a very talented violinist. Oh, thank you. I am a violinist. My my first answer was going to be the first movement of the Brahms Violin Concerto, which is. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the greatest things ever, right? I just, I love it so much. And it's, I don't know. That whole concerto is great, but that first movement in particular is one of my all-time favorites. God, yeah. I just, any, man, I love so much classical music that I realize, yeah. Oh, man, how did I sit through that when I was little? I have such ADHD, and I was running around as a kid, but, like, I would sit still for classical music at concerts, boy. <laughs> I, yeah. yeah. Well, it's such a, an, an entrancing experience to see, like, classical music performed live. I mean, it, it's especially, like, it's a thing that's noticeable when you post your own uh, uh, violin playing videos. Like, you have... It, it feels like you are connecting so emotionally to it, like, especially watching your face and sort of the, um, I don't know, je ne sais quoi that you bring to the way that you play. Oh, um, but it, it makes those so much fun to watch just because it's not only the music, but just, like, watching your connection with the music. But when you get... When you're watching an orchestra, you feel that on such a grand scale, and you can yeah, kind of hone in true. on all the different instrumentalists and the way that they interact with their instruments, like it's fabulous. And having taken, uh, I played viola in middle school for like three years. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I I was one of two violas in our orchestra. And so it was a lot of pressure of just being like, I fucking suck at this. And the other one sucks at this and will not practice. So now (laughs) it's all on me to do these like important parts of this when there's like 20 violins. Uh, Right. Yeah. Viola's got to hold their own. Yeah, I should have I uh, should have picked uh, violin. <laughs> another one that occurs to me, and it's actually it's I just checked. It's two seconds too short to qualify for this question, but it's How the title track off Black Star by Bowie, 
nice. which is just, uh, I mean, I think we've even talked about it on the podcast. It's, it's, it's just a one, the album rules and that's a, the standout track, at least, uh, to me, there's obvious stuff like, you know, 2112 by Rush, yeah, which is 20 something minutes long. I mean, that's pretty low hanging fruit with regards to this question. Any prog rock thing is going to basically qualify. Yeah, prog rock, like dream. There's like some dream theater song that I. Oh, that is, probably several. That like, yeah, I, I mean, there's one in particular. I can't remember the name of it that that I just I remember like being really into at one point. Um yeah, definitely for I'm looking at my, my sort of like classical and baroque favorites list I have on Spotify. Um Oh, the uh Moldau by Oh, Smetna. by Smetna. Yeah, that's yeah, a good one. Yeah, that's the that's the one that goes do 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 and like it's like the idea is you're like traveling through the countryside uh following the Moldau River. Yep. Um which I, t- I actually I t- got to visit when I was in Prague and like I conducted that piece in college. I conducted a symphony for what? two years. Yep. Oh my god! What? Yep. I did uh, basically two That's years so of conducting cool. a you know forty fifty piece orchestra. Uh, and what? It was one of the yeah. I was I was a you know basically a, I was a music major in college and did classical and jazz. Uh, and one of the greatest things I did, one of the most fun things I should say, is what I really mean. Not greatest in an objective sense, uh, but one of the things that that was my favorite is. I got to rehearse. I was the music director and the conductor for a student orchestra. That's lovely. I want to hear about more of that later. That's so cool. Yeah, sure. It's uh, it's something I loved. I have another one that's sort of along the the, the, uh, TV glitter track. And as always with this particular genre of music, any any recommendation you make... Good chance that the person who made it is either a murderer or a white supremacist. It's a very checkered <laughs> type of music. Wait, what? But philo- really? Philosophem by Burzum, um, which is a second wave Norwegian black metal band. I reticently really love that album. The dude's been convicted of first degree murder and is an arsonist and what? also terrible person. But it was a really influential, um, uh, uh, like maybe one of the most influential albums for the dark ambient black metal scene. Um, and there, there's like a song on there that's 25 minutes long. And the whole thing, you just kind of have to listen to it like straight through. And I hate how much I love that album, but I really love that album. Uh, I'm going to say two, two, more, two more classical things real quick. Uh, I'm a huge yes, uh, minimalism fan, and uh, there Ooh, are yeah. two pieces in particular that I, I really love. Uh, one is Four Organs by Steve Reich. Uh, it's, uh, you just have to listen to it. It features, not surprisingly, four organs and a maraca player, actually. <laughs> uh, and it's just it's really, it's, it's the kind of thing where, like, at the premiere, everyone hated it or whatever. But it's uh, it's one of my favorites, and the other thing is uh, uh, my favorite Philip Glass opera, which is Satyagraha, um, uh, which is you know sort of it, it explores the themes of uh, pacifism and, and stuff like that through Tolstoy and Gandhi and Martin Luther King, and Act One, Scene One, is one of my all time favorite like. Uh, all just transcendent pieces of beautiful music. So act one, scene one uh, of, of Philip Glass's Satyagraha. Oh. I, I was literally just about to ask if you were into Philip Glass because I really fucking love Philip Glass. 
and I, I watched Candyman for the first time recently. Uh-huh. And I'd always, when I was younger and listened to a lot of him, I really loved that soundtrack, having not seen the movie. And getting it in context was just like, ooh, baby, yeah, I, this is the I, stuff. Philip Glass, I, I definitely, if it's like, there's a lot of great minimalist composers out there. Um, it, the two big ones that people usually talk about are Steve Reich and Philip Glass. If, if I had to pick mm-hmm. one, I'm definitely on the Reich side more than the Glass stuff. But I do love a when- lot of Glass music. When I was little, I remember you know, going to a lot of classical concerts, and I loved classical, and I really, really loved Baroque and, and Romantic. But I remember a lot of modern stuff, including Philip Glass, I did not care for when I was little. For whatever reason, I just my brain mm-hmm. needed sort of the structure of melodies to really yes. latch on to. But as I got older, I started appreciating it more, especially, you know, when you get context and or just as sort of mm-hmm. mood music or just sort of ambient music. Um, I do have one poll. I think it qualifies. I think it's 10 minutes long. Um, the Trapeze Swinger by Iron and Wine. Oh, I love yeah. Iron and Ooh, Wine. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just like such... Iron and Wine, more like Iron and Crime. Yeah, it is. It's just such like a sad song. It's about... Uh, you know, love and loss and death and God, and it's just so beautiful. And I like put it on a lot of like character playlists all the time, and I'll just sit and listen to it for like, <laughs> and ten minutes goes by, and there's crying, and it's it's just such a beautiful song, and I love that one. Uh, I've listened to our endless number of days almost as much as any album I've ever listened to. Like, it's, oh my God, it just yeah, never gets old to me. I love that. Um, Erica, you you said that you went to a lot of classical things as a kid. Do you come from a musical family or what was your um, involvement with that? Um, Yeah, sort of. I mean, my, yeah, I I guess I I did come from a very musical family. My dad, my my parents were both in the film industry, but on the side, like my dad used to, he had perfect pitch and, you know, at some point could have become a concert pianist, but decided not to. And he, like me, did not have the discipline to go pro. Uh, <laughs> and he, I mean, at some point he made a living as a musician on Venice Boardwalk. Oh, really? Like he was on, yeah, yeah. on the boardwalk play, busking, basically. On the boardwalk, like busking. And some of the guys in his band still perform there, or some of the guys he'd tell stories about uh, still perform there to this day. That's amazing. Um, yeah, he was one of the Venice Beach weirdos. Wow. Uh, and yeah, yeah, he... And, and like when I, when I think about it, when we'd visit our... my grandpa in New York so like my my aunt is a fiddle fiddler she plays Irish fiddle with a band and would sort of visit Ireland every year and you know my grandpa played the harmonica and uh sort of sang and my dad played a bunch of like guitar and bass and accordion and harmonica and uh you know we'd all sort of jam together so yeah I mean it's so great yeah, it's it's just I I guess growing up I didn't realize how unusual that was. Yeah, totally. Um, you sure. know, my mom sort of played a little piano and would sing and and so yeah, we were a very musical family. Um and yeah, so I, I grew up uh I, I I chose the violin actually. It's unlike a lot of the sort of people I think people always assume <laughs> since I'm Asian American that my parents forced me into it, but I, you know, I mean because we I just grew up with so much music in my life 
I yeah, it's like how could you yeah, not go for I that? I gravitated towards it, and um, so I started when I was seven, and I did a lot of you know youth orchestra and did it in school and private lessons, and I mm-hmm. and I sort of fell off that hardcore wagon after high school, and then just picked it up for fun more recently. Do you, do you ever you playing an ensemble or anything now? Oh, um, so uh, Kari Walgren uh, and Mary Elizabeth McGlynn and Sarah Cravens, who are fantastic, talented voice actors, um, they have a cover band of a of a the music the Slaughter. It's a it's a oh, hair nice. metal band. That's awesome. And uh, it's called Slaughter because it's like almost predominantly uh, female. Yeah. And uh, they do this show, and I and I join them, and I do a cover of. The, the song Days Gone By and that oh, was yeah. fun and that got That's me into awesome. it and then uh, I sometimes like I played with with friends that live in Nashville uh, V and Isaac and Juniper Vale uh, and so yeah I just mostly play for fun now uh, and just on my own and it's been nice having some time to practice and and just sort of noodle around but yeah thank you so much for asking I didn't think about that actually. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, and it, you also yeah. we, we should probably move on to our other segments but I have another question you said that your uh, family is in the film industry uh, my family is also in oh, the film really? industry what, what's, what, what did your uh, family yeah. what, was, what did they do well, I grew up in Wilmington, North Carolina, mm. which um, mm. bef- before the awful tax bill changes that made it where it killed the film industry right. there and yeah. it all moved to Atlanta and Savannah, which was just devastating to our economy yeah. and all of our family friends and all that shit. Um, but my dad has been doing like props and set dressing and is now a teamster and he's been doing it for over 20 years and he worked on the full runs of One Tree Hill and Dawson's Creek and a ton of other productions. Um, and my oh mom my did hair and makeup. And they met on Virus starring Jamie Lee Curtis, oh my God. Uh, which is a bad movie, but that's how they met because she was doing hair and makeup and he was doing props. Oh, wow. So right. Some other thing. I did you? Know. Yeah. I mean, my dad did the did the props for um, the Super Mario Brothers movie. What? Oh, my God. He, the he, necklace. He, he the made necklace. the bomb in it. Oh, my God. Yeah. We have like the crystal thing. <gasps> so that was my film industry involvement. What was yours? And then we can move oh, on. Oh, yeah. Um, so my mom was an editor. Uh, she worked on. Oh, my God. Gosh. Uh, I think. She worked up in the Bay Area on a lot of things, and um, I think she was the one on Silverado, or was my dad on Silverado? I mean, my dad oh, really? was a camera oh, wow. assistant. Yeah, I saw that he in the theater for a long yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what they met on, but he like it was a very antagonistic meeting where he was like taking her film, <laughs> and he she was like, "Excuse me, like I, you know, we." Need that, like I need to get your name to you know log all of this, and he was being a jerk about it. Uh, but I get yeah, and so he was on. He worked on a lot of nerd stuff, like Star Trek Voyager. He was on I think six seasons Whoa. of that, pulling focus. I remember visiting the set as a kid. Lois and Clark, wow. uh, you know, Models Inc. Before that, and. Um, he was on. He worked on a couple of episodes of Firefly too, which like at the oh, time nice. I Whoa. didn't understand how cool and how big of a deal that was. Uh, Here, here's a question, yeah. actually, real quick. I haven't seen Firefly, Firefly since it came out. Does it hold up? Is it still? I oh, loved it at the time. Good question. 
like I, you know, that was like what I, I, I too loved it at 10, the time. Yeah, fifteen I... years ago. How long ago was that? Now, a long time ago. No, it was longer. I think twenty. Was it? I gotta be. Gotta be. But wow. it was. Uh, I saw. It, I only saw it. It would have been eight years ago, and it was already considered old. I yeah. think. Hold on, I'm, I gotta look this up. I, th- this happens every time. I just because it was right at it was after it was his Whedon's thing right after Buffy, right? Right. Yeah. 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 And Bu- Buffy ended in the must have been early two thousand two thousand two. Yeah. Okay. So about twenty years old. Yeah. It's such a fun, interesting show, and and you know, and great world building. I gotta say, as like, it's it's. This always happens in futurism where Asian cultures are sort of integrated into the mainstream right. where right, it's right. like there are no Chinese people or it's, you know, and they all speak Chinese. Yes. At, with varying levels of success. Uh, you know, and it's that's always weird. And I think it's it's changing now, but it always sort of was disappointing to me to see sci-fi uh, using, you know, Japanese and Chinese uh, culture, like, but then not see any Japanese or Chinese or Asian people. Totally. So Yeah, just like that ultimate cultural appropriation. Yeah. So th- I remember that bothering me. I really love Firefly. I love, I love that world. Um... I imagine that there's probably a good bit of like stuff towards women that does not hold up. Um, the last time I watched it was when I was in high school, which wasn't that long ago. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Very particular era of TV. Um, so this next segment is called What's Poppin'? Uh, and here's the theme song for What's Poppin'. And Brian, we're not doing the bit where we don't play the theme song and then ask the guest. It does not read. <laughs> it does not read to the audience. Whatever, what? you, whatever you want, Layton. Fine. Here's the theme song. What's Poppin'? What's Poppin'? That was a very good theme song. We're not doing the bit. So, <laughs> Erica, this is where we share pop culture recommendations. And I thought you were actually going to play it. No. I, I was no. expecting music. Yeah, exactly. See, Brian, this is why the bit doesn't work. Normally, we do not play the song, and then Brian's immediately after two seconds of silence guessed what did you think of that song, which they've never heard, and they have not I heard. I think they should have heard. And then they just kind of fumble yeah. for it. Yeah, anyway. but the audience doesn't know because they hear the song anyway. So what I heard is we're taking a temporary hiatus from that bit until next week. But okay. <laughs> no, fuck you, <laughs> uh, Brian. What's popping? Well, wait. Uh, this is some deep nerd shit, but I'm gonna get into it. Um, do you know what cryptic crosswords are? Have you ever heard of these? No. What are Erica? Cryptic do you know what a cryptic crossword is? No, tell me more. It, it's a crossword where the clues aren't just a, like kind of trivia answers, but involve wordplay mm-hmm. is the short way uh, of describing it. And they are a subgenre of crossword puzzles. Um, and let's see, I'm looking at one right now by some of my favorite cryptic crossword creators used to write the cryptic for the, the nation. And the nation just stopped its cryptic crossword. And these guys, Joshua Cosman and Henri Picciato, started a Patreon where they're putting out a cryptic a week 
And it's like the membership tiers are, it is not expensive stuff. And these guys are like the best at this. They're so good at writing these clues, which can be very easy to fuck up and do a bad job at. And they just put out their first puzzle on Patreon. And I am like over the moon about this because it's a way of supporting them directly and also doing one of my favorite things. Oh, yeah. Okay. So here's one. The clue is quoted from edict wrongly, which I'm emphasizing that because the answer is cited. So it's an anagram of edict, which is E-D-I-C-T. That's right. So the, the way, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm bad enough at regular crosswords. This sounds like the entire crossword are all of my least favorite crossword prompts. So, so just to break that down, quoted from edict wrongly. So that clue splits into two parts. There's quoted and then, so imagine drawing a little line after quoted and then edict comma wrongly. So wrongly is a clue that you anagram the word edict, which anagrams to cited which is another definition of quoted, all right? So that's a typical, mm. like, cryptic crossword clue. And after a while, it's the kind of thing where it has its own conventions and uh, and everything like that. But once you're in it, it is something that I, I've loved for years, and uh, I can't believe these guys started a Patreon. So their Patreon is called Out of Left Field, and they put out a cryptic a week, <laughs> and it's the best. So it's making me really happy right now. They just put out their first puzzle. I, not a thing I would ever pursue, but that's great. And I also think a really fun thing to recommend for what's popping. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I used to love, I used to do so many anagrams. There was like an app on one of my sort of like calculators or something that I did anagrams with. I love anagrams. Yeah, this is, the, the wordplay on some of these, like it, it's the kind of thing where a good clue is like a little work of art. And like, like many puzzle things, when it's done really well, it, it, you get this little flash of awe because you're like, that's genius. I can't believe that some human being came up with that. It's, <laughs> it, it's, it, it really is a, a wonderful little community of people. I have to ask you, Erica, what's popping? I have a couple of things that are old pulls, actually, but that I sort of got into more recently uh, or that I revisited recently and have brought me a lot of joy. So uh, there's an indie game on, it's on Steam... Yeah, it's on Steam. It's on PC and, and computers. Uh, it's called A Short Hike. And it's a hmm. sweet little meditative uh, indie game where you play this little bird and you're exploring an island. And there's sort of like Animal Crossing elements to it where you can fish and dig up holes and you talk to your other animal neighbors. But it's a linear narrative and... and it's sort of exploring this island and it's all just really like my shoulders actually dropped and I started breathing while I, while I started playing this game. <laughs> and it's just, you know, in this time where we're sort of stuck indoors, it's, it's a nice experience about exploration. And I really liked it. Um, a short hike by Adam Griu. Is the is the that sounds awesome? Yeah, I super liked that, and I played that a little while ago, like a couple months ago. But it, I just like really needed it at the time that I played it. Uh, also, uh, the Handmaiden, the park, the Park Chan film, uh, yeah. I saw just recently, and I just I get so fixated on it every time I see it. It's it's a Korean film. And it's uh, I don't I mean, I don't I really don't want to give. Yeah, don't anything. don't give yeah, anything just, away. I, don't give it, anything away. I have away. not watched it 
but I've been oh, meaning to watch it Layton, forever. You'll, you'll love it so much. Oh, my God. Oh, that that's exactly been the thing. Like, um, oh, Allie, who's also on the podcast, was like, Leighton, we have to watch The Handmaiden I'm together because so it is excited. the most your shit. It is. I will say, if it's any pitch for anyone, it's very queer. Yes. Yeah, right? yeah. I can I can admit that. Yeah, it is. It is very queer, and it is so visually stunning. It's awesome. just it's it's the same director as A Tale of Two Sisters, right? Um, it's by the director of Old Boy. I think I, I'm not sure if I, I've seen A Tale of Two Sisters. Um, oh, it's great! But it is Hold on, it is great. It is definitely like uh, it is Does, it is just so good. I've never seen Old Boy. Does that make me a bad person? No, no, no. Okay. It's a Old no. Boy is a also an incredible film, but very. Violent and difficult. It's yes. Par- Park Chan-wook has done, sorry, uh, he did all the Lady Vengeance yes. movies and Stoker, which I was confusing with Tale of Two Sisters ah, for some right, reason. Right, right, but right. Stoker Stoker is a wild movie. Yeah. Um, also, I made the mistake of, I don't, this is, I watched Old Boy with my dad. Ooh. Oh my God. <laughs> oh boy. Don't. So anybody who's seen it, it's the worst oh possible God, movie to watch with that your dad. That is. Oh. <laughs> The moment after that was over, I was just like, all right, I'm going to bed now. <laughs> oh, <All right>. God! <laughs> oh, wow! Uh, yeah. Don't watch Old don't, Boy with your dad. Uh, I, I have, uh, again, I can't make any recommendations about who to watch or not watch uh, The Handmaiden with uh, without giving anything <laughs> away, but... Um, uh, yeah, it is... Uh, it's not a watch with your parents movie. It is movie. not a watch with your parents movie. Uh... Yeah, I have recommendations <laughs> about who to watch it with, but I don't know. Anyway, just, it's so good, and, like, I, I was listening to the soundtrack recently. It's really beautiful. Cool. And, uh, yeah, I just, I love that movie so much. I think it's my top ten now. Every time I see it, I catch wow. something different, and I just really, really want people to see it. And also, I think people started talking about it again when um, Parasite won, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, suddenly everybody realized Korean cinema really rips. Like, wow. It fucking rules. Yeah. Especially Korean horror. Like, it's very foundational and important to the genre. Like, yeah. they're just very good. Uh, yeah. Um, th- those are wonderful recommendations. Thank you. Yay. Uh, Layton, what's popping? I, this is sort of going off of, I had a five hour long work call, work call with Jory yesterday where we were talking about this guy, not for the full five hours, but for a good bit of it. Um, so it sort of has to do with the performance art thing. So there's this sculpture artist and performance artist named Olivier de Sagazan, um, which I'm probably fucking that up, but he's French, I believe. Um, and that's O-L-I-V-I-E-R-D-E-S-A-G-A-Z-A-N. Um, and maybe don't look it up if you're easily creeped, but I'm going to drop this in the Skype chat so you can see who I'm talking about. Um, but he does these just like really messy, upsetting, visceral performance art pieces where it's like him smothering paint and clay and hair and sticks all over his face. Oh, and it's wow. just and like screaming and it's really disturbing. And I love this it. This is awesome. It's very good. Yes, this oh. is pretty. Right? This is some like Pan's Labyrinth type stuff yeah it's it's very francis bacon yes. who is maybe my oh, favorite painter bacon, um yeah. oh, me too but it, it feels like the most like and and there's like definitely um jan's funkmeyer influences there especially with the ones where it's like his head fused with another person's right, head yeah. if you're not familiar with 
Jan Svankmeyer, the stop motion artist, most of his stuff is online and it's just like perfect. It's perfect art. Um, but yeah, so my, my recommendation is just checking out some videos of this guy performing because he really just commits to it. Cool. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Uh, so let's move on to our last segment, uh, Peaches and Lemons. Peaches and Lemons. Peaches and Lemons. Layton, as always, would you care to explain Peaches and Lemons? Which at this point yes. is just peaches. But... <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Yeah. So, Erica, there's a thing that my aunt and uncle do with my nieces every night at dinner. I actually don't even know if they still do it, but they were doing it for a long time. Maybe they still do it. But they go around the table and everybody shares their peaches and lemons. The lemon is a thing that was like kind of a bummer or they were frustrated about or whatever, kind of a negative thing. And then the three peaches are things that they're excited about or grateful for or looking forward to or just appreciated. And it's sort of an exercise in gratitude. So we started ending every episode of the podcast with sort of this emotional check-in, which is peaches and lemons. Oof, it's a... Gonna be a heavy one today. Uh, so it's it, we're we're more like we're not doing lemons right, right. now for the foreseeable future because oh, you know good. we have enough of them. That's good. Um, first first peach is friends. I'm I'm so grateful for my friends and for everybody that right now I feel like I'm extremely close with and somehow am getting even closer with. I, you know, we're not, we're not talking about the lemons, but right now it's a difficult time. And I feel like communities have all really been there for each other in a big way, in a very active way, where sometimes you take it for granted seeing everybody frequently just out and about. But when it comes to having to actively reach out and check in with people and send them love, I am grateful that I have people doing that and that I can be there for other people. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Beautiful peach. Yeah. And the second one is getting to create. I am so grateful that I have create out, out, creative outlets in guitar and violin and that I get to keep working and uh, doing voiceover and and making content, making art, <laughs> uh, just, just having a way to express myself. And I really encourage everybody to find that for themselves, whether it's singing in the shower or cooking a pretty meal or uh you know just just doing your doing your hair different or something there's <laughs> something that you can do right now that will fulfill you in an artistic manner and i think it's so important to an integral to who we are as humans to need to do that and and so i hope yeah. that everybody else can find that as well um, I totally agree. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm so grateful for technology. Third peach is technology. Uh, I'm <laughs> extremely grateful that I have been situated to sort of be prepared to be plugged in with the world and to continue doing my work with technology. Um, it allows me to get to chat with you guys. Um, and actually, it kind of has enabled the my previous two peaches creative expression and friendship um, thanks to technology and I think it's in some ways something it's like breathing now just the ubiquity of our smartphones and our laptops and laptops and computers and I know so many people who have 
said, oh, you know, you got to unplug and, you know, technology these days is ruining kids. But I just I feel the opposite. I feel that they are tools for community, for creative expression, for productivity and work and for discovering things about yourself about learning like Leighton was able to give us the we, we can watch these performance art pieces because we can google them and I, I sometimes take it for granted or am frustrated by it but honestly thank god for the internet and technology right now yeah I've been thinking yeah. occasionally about like you know for in the 1918 flu like what must that have been like for people to be isolated without almost any way of getting in touch with uh, with their friends and their peers and their loved ones. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure people were doing it somehow, but we have it so much easier now. Like, the, the ease yeah. of communication is is astonishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It, it feels like a, another limb. Cool. Uh, Leighton, do you want to go next, or would you like me to? Sure, I'll go next. Um my first peach is very basic. Um, I got a bunch of candles, like nice soy Ooh. candles. Um, and there's one that's I, my favorite candle. Oh, I should blow this out because I burned through the whole thing. <laughs> oh, no, I'm burning, I'm burning my hands. <laughs> fuck. Um, but the uh, my favorite one I got, my favorite candle scent is like any sort of tobacco and vanilla one, just because it's like a very nostalgic smell for me. Um, so I've just been, uh, burning candles more and it's like crazy what a difference just like having something like a candle going yeah. is for the mood and just, you know, just hanging out and it smells Dim good. lights and candles um, have like, I, I just, it's oof. the best. It is such a good yeah. vibe. I love it so much. It really elevates everything that you're doing into being very classy. So you take a large bong rip and shove your hand into a bag of peanut butter M&M's. <laughs> and then you're like, mm, I am a woman of wealth and taste today, lads. Uh... But yeah, so that's first peach. Second peach is um, on the work call that I had yesterday. I, uh, it was really nice to not only see and hang out with Jory, which is such a treat, and, and I love him so much uh, as a person. He's just wonderful. Um, but also, like, we both mutually were able to help each other kind of get some story breaks and, like, sanity oh, checks great. about the stuff that we're doing on our respective games Ooh. that after we get off this, this call, I'm going to go through my notes from it and just kind of, like, crank stuff out because it was it was very, like creatively juicing um in a way which is a thing that i needed right now because i've been pretty stuck on stuff for a bit um and then my third peach which i feel like is always my peach it's just spending time with maybe and waking up and she just like has her head on my shoulder and it's just like i love that creature so much and would die slash kill for that creature so i love my creature my little beast my awful terrible creature that's so great uh all right mine um uh, a <laughs> recently, uh, Audrey discovered headphones and she <laughs> has been walking around the house with headphones plugged into her iPad, blasting Frozen 2 while holding a fake wooden microphone and like lip syncing <laughs> while like sassy dancing, just doing <laughs> laps around our living room and she hasn't actually been sing- she's doing like quiet lip syncing so she's singing without vocalizing uh and it is the cutest thing she's doing like these little hip sways and like really just rocking out it's one of the cutest things i've ever seen <laughs> um and of course the moment you ask her hey what are you doing nothing nothing <laughs> uh yeah it's just watching a 5-year-old exist in 5-year-old brain world is 
is a joy <laughs> because they're always off in their own little universes and it's extremely cute. Uh, so that's one. Uh, next one is after uh, a few weeks of not much physical activity, I started a workout program. And I've been like working out regularly for, I don't know, 20 years. It's something I never did until really until like, I don't know, grad school basically for me. And then since then, it's been a big part of my life. I mean, I'm not at the gym like 20 hours a day or something, but just regular exercise is something I feel like I didn't discover until I was in my early 20s. And yep. uh, uh, after a few weeks of just through essentially anxiety, not being able to do anything, I finally got up and started moving this week, and I feel great about it. Yeah. It's so nice to have that again. Um, and my last one is Rachel and I watched the virtual tour of the Winchester Mystery House. Uh, oh, whoa! Yep, which is fucking awesome. Uh, it's I think it's available. I actually think it, maybe they might take it down when this goes live, unfortunately. But it's free until April 7th, and it's like a 40-minute video where they just walk you through the house. I've always oh. wanted to go to this place. I've never been. Uh, and uh, the same with Rachel. And I know it's not that far. It's just in uh, San Jose or Palo Alto, one of those two, right? Um, Layton and I San went. Jose. Yeah, we literally went oh, together did. when we were at Amazing. CrunchyCon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we went with um, was a blast. Uh, Alec, Alex Octopimp. And, oh, cool. Uh, yeah, and uh, Sung Won. Like, great. Oh, nice. It was a good, yeah. That was yeah, a good it was, time. It was a great day. Uh, that place is so, so, so cool. Actually, less like ornate a lot of it than I thought it was going to be. Um, mm, but, mm -hmm. you know, so they have that big ballroom downstairs with the organ in it, which is uh, incredible. It's it's way less creepy than you think yes, it would be. And it's completely. more just like really beautiful. Yep. Yeah. Like the craft of it, where it's like this is the you know three hundred thousand or like one million worth one million piece of stained glass or whatever. Yeah, or like this wood that was imported from far, far away at yeah. great this, this hand painted wallpaper. Yep, <laughs> and and in the video they'll they kind of they basically it's more or less chronological, and they'll they'll be like, all right, so you know this is the 1900, 1900 to nineteen ten. William McKinley was president. This was happening over here. This was happening over there. So they set oh, kind wow. of a. Uh, a a historical perspective and then talk about what was going on in the house. And it was really a fun, uh, interesting way of seeing a place I've always wanted to see with a free tour that is, you know, just available for a little while. That's really interesting too, because when Erica and I were there, they had just wrapped filming on the Winchester movie oh. that I think had Nicole yeah, Kidman yeah. in it and then came out very quietly. It might not have yeah. been her, but like they were basically like, you can't take any photos here because they bought the copyright to the interior of the house. Yeah. Um, so it's really cool that they actually were like, hey, people can see this now. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, like, I don't know if it was just available for, available for purchase or whatever before that, but it's up there right now. So if you want to watch it, it's hanging out. Hell yeah, cool. Well, we, we all got some good peaches today. There's a lot of Hell stuff yeah. to be excited about. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, Erica, thank you so, so, so much for coming on here. And I think my fourth peach is just, I haven't gotten to chat with you in forever. Oh, and so, so it's so really nice, nice to see your face and hear I your voice. Oh, I know. It was so nice. Thank you. Um, thank congratulations you so on Destiny 2, by the way. That's super yeah, that's exciting. Awesome. I was so stoked to see so that. Great. Thank you so much. That's still wild to me. That is so <laughs> wild to me. Especially, you know, Amanda was one of the first sort of game voices that I ever did. Really? Yeah. Oh and, and it was for I'm sure so... one of the things that put me on the map. So, oh my That's god, awesome. that makes me so fucking happy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the 
I love watching streams and let's plays where when your I love you dad line drop happens, everyone bursts into tears. (laughs) It's the best. I mean, that was such an emotional moment. I remember recording that, you know. Uh, Yes. Yeah. That was such a strange time. Um, But where can people find like what what do you want to share that you're you've just worked on or that's out that you can share? Where can we find you on social media? Um, So I am uh, at Erica Ishii on Twitter, at the Erica Ishii on Instagram. And I think, ooh, by the time this comes out, I think the Kickstarter will have wrapped. But we did a movie uh, in Japan, Jen Ravenna, who is an incredible artist. This was like a few months ago. I remember you were posting about being over there. This is what that was a thought of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so in February, I went to Japan, and we shot a short film called And Then. It is a queer girl-meets-girl story about art and uh, isolation and belonging and, you know, misconnections. And it's it's so gorgeous. It looks visually stunning, even just from the previews that we've gotten back. And uh, there was a Kickstarter, and it it got super-duper funded and... The hope is that we get to go back and shoot some stuff that we had to cut due to budget reasons and time time restrictions mm-hmm. um, eventually. But, um, yeah, just please check it out. And uh, Jen is, it was, you know, she's an incredible artist, an incredible cinematographer, but now, boy, can she put a movie together. So I, I'm excited about that. And please check that out. It's called End Then. Well, thank you so much. This was wonderful. And to listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we've been getting like a lot of really positive feedback and um, just like some cool new opportunities coming up, I guess. And I I guess and fun (laughs) guests line up is what I meant to say. Um, But uh, yeah, thank you. I hope you're all doing well and that you're staying safe. And remember, you can email us or tweet us anytime. And, um, you know, if you want, I I, I would love to do the general advice and questions more uh, because I really like the variety of stuff that we got. I think maybe, what do you think, every 10 episodes maybe? Like, I don't know if we necessarily want to stick to I don't know. I I would love to do it more frequently. Um, Whatever. Yeah, we would love to hear from y'all again about what advice topics or question topics that you would like to see. Um, so just let us know. And we, we love feedback in general. So uh, we love you very much. I Is this the end of the podcast? This is the end of the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Leighton Knight is produced by Brian Wecht and Leighton Gray. For more information, visit LeightonKnight.com. That's L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N-N-I-G-H-T dot com. Also, please follow us on social media. On Twitter, we're at Leighton Knight. And on Instagram, at Leighton underscore Knight. 